Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. This series titled to start with why that led to this, uh, this message title that we're in right now called Our Cause. And so over the past six weeks, we've discussed my why, we've discussed your why, we've discussed our why as a church, we've discussed God's why, we've discussed Jesus' why, and we've discussed the church's why. So those are all very, very deep message in, tangled in the why. Why we do this? Why faith? Why, why any of this? And so um, you need to go back and visit this series, this message series, to go in depth because this is the root. What we've discussed over the past six weeks is the root of our message. It's the root of why why we actually believe, why we go. And so we've learned that um, your why is to operate in the spirit, not in the flesh, not in the world, understanding that, that you don't get more of God, God gets more of you. We've learned the why for creation, that's unity with God and with each other. We've, we've learned the why of Jesus is unity and restoration, unity with each other and restoration to the Father, restore a relationship. We've learned that our why as believers is discipleship, and what we've learned is this is all rooted. Everything that I've listed so far is rooted in Acts 2:42 through 47, John 17, Galatians 5:22 through 26, and Matthew 22:37 through 40. If you want to do a deep dive this week, start there. Start there. And um, I believe you'll be pleasantly surprised. And so now here's the thing. What messes that up? Because what I just said and what we talked about the last six weeks has, has been really good, in my opinion. And there's been some great depth. There's been some great conversations stem from these messages. But what messes that up? Because what I, why I want to talk about what messes that up is because it's easy to say that. Oh, we just need to be a church like Acts. Oh, John 17, unity, right? We just need community. Galatians 5, just operate in the spirit. It's easy to say these things. And it's really easy to know these things. Yeah, yeah, I already know that. I was on the phone with a guy earlier this week, uh, talking him through some stuff, helping him with his life. And and um, he said, yeah, coach, I know all that. I know all that stuff. And I said, that's the danger. That's the danger. And so what messes, what messes us up and what disconnects us from our why? And so here's a quick question to get started today. It's a big one. Okay, let's play a little game of would you rather. Would you rather sink with faith or swim without it? Would you rather be out in the ocean? Out in Lake St. Clair, it's probably not a bad, it's probably too good. Out in the middle of Lake Michigan, would you rather be out oh, in Destin, Florida, in the Gulf of Mexico? And would you rather sink with faith or would you rather swim without it? For some people, it's automatic. I'd rather sink with faith. I know where I'm going. Mm. I got this. And one, you need to wrestle with this question this week. But the sad truth is, is more than 70% of people are going to say, I'll swim without it. I'll, I'll make the swim and not even know which direction land is. I'll swim without it. I got this. So would you rather sink with faith or swim without it? What wrecks our why? What distracts us? What discourages us? What defeats us? What beats us down? 
What limits us is our faith. It's our faith. You wonder what disconnects you from operating in the Spirit? What disconnects us from unity? What disconnects us from being the church that Jesus called us to be? What disconnects us from living in a real relationship with each other? What disconnects us from loving God? What disconnects us from loving one another? From, from obeying all the one another, you know, commands there are in the New Testament, over 180 of them, I believe. What messes that up is our lack of faith. And you say, ah, I have faith. And I'm sure that you do. I'm sure that you do. Let's take a look at Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. In this book, these are the heroes of faith. And, and man, after these first three verses, it gets in, it says, by faith. And it, and it lists as, it lists, it lists everybody who operated in faith, how it happened, what they did, all that. It goes through it. Hebrews 11, amazing. If you need a, if you need a boost of faith today, read the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11, okay? Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. This is the Holman. I believe I'm in the Holman all day today, so I'm not skipping around. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof, proof of what is not seen. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. Those, you know, those that came before us, their ancestors. Uh, I'm not relating, you know, I've had so many people say, well, those aren't my people. Yeah, they are. They're your people. They're your people. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's command, that it was seen so that what is seen has been made from the things that are not visible. God's command, the truth, the truth. All right, so we see faith right there, by faith. Then it goes down, and we could have read the whole chapter, but we're, we're by faith, by faith, the rest of the chapter, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, by faith, right? And what wrecks our why today is the same thing that wrecked it with Adam and Eve. It's a lack of faith in God. It's a lack of faith in the truth. It's a lack of faith in who he is, who he is. And here's what we see. And, and I want you, man, it's hard to build a culture of note-taking. It's hard to build a culture of engagement online. And so I know this might be a little bit different and you might have your phone. I would just say, prop it up. If you're on an iPad, hopefully you're airplane this through a TV. Okay. You've got a laptop, you've got a big monitor, whatever. Right. But, but I want this to come to life for you today. Like I do every weekend. And sometimes I can get bored with the saint with saying the same thing every week, but man, I want God to speak to your heart. I'm not speaking to your heart today. I'm speaking to you. God speaks to your heart when we take the Bible and we open it up. And so if, if you have a Bible open, if not, that's why we're putting the scripture on the bottom of the screen. It's not just for another thing that you can see. It's so you will actually read it because when you read it, it comes to life and God says something to you that he doesn't say to me. And so I want this message to speak to your heart today because I believe it'll change your life. I believe it'll change your life. And so read along, write it down, write it down. And so here are the examples of faith because you would say, well, Dusty, I have faith. And so don't tell me that my faith gets in the way. It does. It does. It's our lack of faith. It's my lack of faith. It's a wrestling match. And so what do you mean faith? Here are examples that the, that the dictionary, the human dictionary gives us of faith. Trust, belief, confidence, conviction, reliance, dependence, hope, and expectation. You say I have faith. Do you have all these in God? Trust, belief, confidence, conviction, reliance. You sw you're sinking with faith, you're swimming without. Dependence, hope, expectation, trust. You're sinking with faith, you swim without. Belief, confidence, conviction, reliance, dependence, hope, 
expectations. Do you have faith? Certain hope. That is, that is the proof of what is not seen. Made from things that are not visible. Do you have faith? Well, yeah, I know. That's not it. So I want to look at I want to look at two examples of this today. We're going to look at Genesis chapter three. So if you're with me, go to Genesis chapter three, uh, or if you have your Bible, anyways. And we're going to talk about this uh, kind of in depth. But I want to talk about faith by faith by faith by faith by faith. And so in Genesis three one through seven, this is where the devil, Satan, our enemy, visits Eve. Okay, and the serpent said to the woman, "Did God really say?" He comes and he, he poses a question. Did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from all the trees. Eve does a good job here. Hey, dude, we can eat from all the trees here. Okay. But what about, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die or you will die. He didn't say not right away. He didn't see any of that, any of those details, right? And so Satan says, no. You will not die. You will not die, the servant said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing. Ooh, it's a trap. Knowing good and evil. Hmm. So he comes back again. He doesn't say, you should have a bite. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. Because we got to know. Because we have to know. How much more can I know? So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. What you see in Genesis is not that the devil is causing Eve to sin. He's not telling her to sin. He's not causing her to sin. He's creating doubt in her heart toward God. Did he really say that? What is, did he, not really not the tree. He's posing doubt. He's creating doubt. And that's the root issue. Verse one, did God really say that? Did God really say that? I don't know. Let me think back. Yeah, pretty sure that's what he said. Okay. And that's what she says. Verse two, she restates it. In verse three, he restates it. In verse four, he says, you won't die. Not, not right away. Okay. <laughs> You're going to die. Okay. In verse 5, Satan lies, which is, which is what cast him down, right? He lies, and he says, you will be like God, knowing. Knowing. Knowing everything, right? Verse 6, after being tempted numerous times, Eve gives in to her pride and the opportunity to know. Because, man, we all would just love to know. Eats us up. And so what you see in this is this was the, the classic case of God's word versus Satan's word. This was the truth versus a lie. It's the first time we see it. And the desire to be wise and to be exalted and to develop just a little bit of arrogance got Eve, where she was like, yeah, you see in verse 6, it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. Yep, like it. Delightful to look at. Desirable to attain wisdom? Yep, sign me up. Because I want to know. I'm going to be the first to know, actually, right? And so you know how the end of that story goes. Here's what you see. He never told her to eat the fruit. He never said, you should pick one off and you should eat it. 
He only created doubt. He only created doubt, and that's where it started. That's where our doubt, this is where our lack of faith begins. We are human beings. It's in your nature, no matter how long you've been following. Faith. Now, I don't want to look over the sin here, because Adam and Eve sinned against God. I'm not saying they didn't, okay? It's obvious that we have a sin problem in the world, okay? But the reality is we can keep blaming sin or we can address the bigger issue. Our lack of faith is the bigger issue. And here's the reality. Jesus' blood covers sin. So we can keep looking at the fruit of all the things that we do. But all the fruit, all the problems that we see, all of the sin that's happening in the world is because of our doubt in who God is. It's because of our lack of faith. It's our lack of faith. It's our lack of faith. So, as in life, as in life, we must get to the root of what is causing the issue. Instead of continually, playing, uh, and continually complaining about the fruit of the issue that we see, well, this happened because that happened because that happened because that happened. And we can argue and complain about all that. And I can bring back past stuff, and I can tell you about this, and I can tell you what you're going to do tomorrow, and I can, I can tell you what you're thinking right now because this is because you did this. And we can always look and look at all the fruit and everything that's wrong. Or we can fix our doubt in the one who created us. And that's it. We complain about sin. We struggle in it. We explain it. And we excuse it. Or we can get to the root of the problem, which is our faith. It's kind of leadership talk. You're going to lead people. You're either going to get to the root of the issue or the fruit of the issue. And the reality is, is if you like drama, you like talking about the fruit. This tree is rooted right here. It sprung up and has all these issues. And if I tried, this is the same in marriage. If I try to solve that one issue, it doesn't matter. I can try to solve all these issues. What is that issue rooted in? I got to get to the root of that problem. And our root as believers, as a human race, is our lack of faith. It's our lack of faith. And so let's compare how Satan is really asking Eve to how Hebrews 11 describes Faith. Remember, we talked about the examples of faith, which are trust, belief, confidence, conviction, reliance, dependence, hope, expectation. So what happened in Eve's mind when Satan was asking these questions? What she was hearing was, are you going to trust that? You trust that? You trust that you can eat all these other, but you can't eat that one. You trust that. You believe that? You believe that you can have any of these others, but, you, but not that one. You believe that? Just create a little doubt, okay? Are you confident in that? Are you confident he said that? Are you sure he said you can't have that? Are you confident in that? You sure? How convicted are you about that? How convicted are you that you should not eat that tree? How? You really think you need to rely on God? Don't you know? Don't you know that if you just eat that, you'll be the same as God? You really think? You need to rely on God and, and do? Nah. I guess you can't do anything without depending on God. Can't do anything without depending on God. What'd you say? I'll do it myself. It, was, ew, it looked good. I like how that looks and I can obtain wisdom. I'll do it myself. That's so he's saying that's where your hope is. Your hope is depending on, on the guy who put. And what's funny is she looks right over that. 
This is my creator. This guy breathed life into me. This is God. Looked right over it, right? That's where our hope was. That's where your hope is? Your hope is in, is in that? Just creating doubt. Never, ever ask her to sin. You really expect God to be that good to you? And what's funny is we couldn't see the most beautiful place on the face of the earth, the Garden of Eden. That all got forgotten for the one thing that she couldn't have. And, and instead of looking at it like she couldn't have it, or like she should respect, right, and honor, and be honest, she chose to dishonor, to disrespect, disobey, and go after the one thing she couldn't have, when really it was for her benefit, right? So let's look at the New Testament version of this. How far have we come? How far have we come as a people um, since Jesus came, right? So that's Genesis. We're going to go all the way to Matthew. So New Testament, this is Matthew chapter 16, if you're with me. This is verse 13 through 20. And this, this passage of scripture, this is when the lights come on for Peter. This is when uh, he has revelation and he is enlightened. He realizes who Jesus is, okay? And so this is uh, Matthew 16, we're in verse 13, this is the Holman. It says, when Jesus came to the region, region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Verse 14, they immediately said, some say, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And here's what I want you to see. In all of this, they're with Jesus, okay? These guys are with Jesus in the flesh. They're not 2,000 years removed. They are right there. They have witnessed miracles. They have seen great things. They've seen things that, that, that people are dying to see right now. They've witnessed it. They've been right there. And he says, who do you say I am? And what you see is there is still doubt, even with people who physically walked with Jesus. That same doubt that exists in the garden is right here. Well, some say... What are, you, what are you afraid of? You're with the guy. Well, some say you could be this guy. Some say you could be this guy. Doubt. And Jesus senses their doubt. And this is your action step today. There's two of them. This is the first. This is your action step today. Verse 15. But you, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And we can end right now. I'm not going to. Who do you say that I am? I know who all the other people say I am, you knuckleheads. I hear it constantly. They're always trying to trick me. Their ways are not my ways. Their thoughts are not my thoughts. They are, they aren't of me, right? And so don't tell me who other people say I am. Who do you say I am? And that's big time today. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? You can't say, well, I know he's the son of God. Eve wanted to know too, okay? We all want to know. That's curse of knowledge, right? We want to know. No, 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 no. K-N-O-W. It's not who do you know him to be. Remember what Eve said in Genesis 3-5. She said, ooh gain knowledge, 
right? Here's what you see in verse 16. The lights come on for Peter. This is revelation. His perspective is enlightened. We pray this at the end of every um, at the end of every service message, whatever we're doing online right now. That your eyes, that your perspective and your eyes would be enlightened, that there would be revelation, right? This happens for Peter. Simon Peter answers, he says, You're the Messiah. Lord, you're the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. This should be all of our answer, by the way. And Jesus responded, Simon, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven did. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. In verse 19, he says, I'm going to give you the king, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm giving them to you, Peter, who on this rock I'll build my church. And whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to build my church on you, and I'm going to give you the keys. And what I want you to see is when you see how Peter sees, when you believe how Peter believes, not, not when you know how Peter knows, okay? When you believe how Peter believes, you're the church. You're the church. God wants to build you, and he wants to build on you. You are a rock. God wants to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You have the keys. That is step one to the cause. You can't expedite it. You grow into it. It's a process. Nick Saban always says, you got to buy into the process. Yeah, it's a process. Discipleship is a process. It's why our cause is to make disciples. Here's what make means. Make disciples. Some people get this confused with work. Make. To form something, to combine it, to construct it, to create it. It's not a light switch you flip or a service that you attend. It is a daily commitment. It's a daily commitment. And every day you grow a little bit more. It takes consistency. It takes diligence. It takes a heart for God, right? God wants to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you see in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says this. He says, if you have, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can and will move mountains. Nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. Now, Heard that before, Dusty. Already know that. I'm sure you do. And so did I. And so here's where we are. A mustard seed is one to two milliliters in size, right? Millimeters, sorry. It's like this big, okay? Yet that mustard bush can grow to 20 feet wide, or 30, some say, and 30 feet tall. That little bitty seed. And that's how your faith is supposed to grow. And it's not just faith and church attendance, it's faith through discipleship. Through discipleship. The picture that the Lord painted for his disciples was, was hope. It was hope. Your faith doesn't need to be outwardly large and just, just have a humongous impact. It's your faith. And you can't make your faith somebody else's. Especially as parents, we can't make our kids' faith ours. We can't. It'll never happen. 
The tiny mustard seed holds the potential to be a 30-foot bush. A seemingly inconsequential speck, tiny speck, of faith can move mountains. What does a 30-foot bush do? It's our lack of faith. Our hang-up as human beings, the human race, is Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And some people are so prideful, they're saying, I'm trying to please God anyways. It's not about that. It's not about that. Bringing joy to God, bringing a blessing to God, is about your, your faith in Him, which is trust and obedience and action. To be disciples, to live out why He put you here. All the things we've talked about in the last six weeks. And so knowing that without faith it's impossible to please God, the cause, our why, the Great Commission, this is this Jesus gave this to us directly. Directly. And I want you to really focus on verse 20. This is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I'm in the NIV here. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That includes everybody. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And remember, I am with you always till the end of the age. I'm with you always till the end of the age. The one thing we must realize is this. If we make and become disciples, we always get the church. But if we make the church, we rarely get disciples. The church is the effect of discipleship, period. Which means the church does not exist to sell a product. We exist to solve a problem. Starts with our faith as individuals. If you can hear me, then you're part of the solution. Again, the church does not exist to sell a product. It exists to solve a problem. If you can hear me, you're part of the solution. No matter where your confidence is right now, no matter where your faith is right now, you're part of the solution. So you are the church that God wants to build, that God wants to build on, that God wants to build through. God wants to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So in the culture of doing church, what we need to understand through this is the culture of doing church is not sustainable. And quite frankly, it is over. Doing church is over. And you would say, well, not for me. I'm just hanging tight till we meet again. We are going to meet again. We are. I believe that with every fiber of who I am. We are. We need some favor. <laughs> we need some favor. Okay. And so culture of doing church is not sustainable because the goal is doing church. But what you see when we do church, there's no, there's no maturation. There's nobody matures in doing church because we're just doing church. We're just following through with an action or checking a box. If doing church is the goal, then people aren't serving or attending with the right attitude or for the right reason. Remember, discipleship. Discipleship is a goal. Go and make disciples. Don't go rent some equipment and have a service. So Acts 2.47 says when we focus when we focus on discipleship, he builds the church. I, as a pastor, don't have to focus on building the church, and I don't need you to focus on building the church. I need you to focus on faith, your faith, your walk, and becoming a better disciple. So here's three things you need to know, and we're closing. Three things you need to know. Disciples are not perfect Christians. 
No surprise, right? That's no surprise. Disciples are not perfect Christians. They are followers of Jesus. But being a disciple is more than being a convert. It's more than praying a prayer. It's more than crossing the line. It's more than barely saved. Being a disciple moves you beyond, beyond the profession of your faith into a lifelong pursuit of living like Jesus. We do that by learning who he is, living like him, and leading for him. Leading what? The Great Commission. Go make disciples. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard. <sighs> Understand that disciples are not perfect Christians. You need to get a grasp on that this is a natural and intentional progression of living daily with Jesus and having his spirit in you. That's what this is. Number two, we cannot carry the Great Commission without him. In fact, to do that would be taking on Mission Impossible. If you look at um, Matthew 19, Matthew 28, 20, at the very end of that it says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. He gives that with the command of go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. I'll be with you. It's not about your self-esteem. It's not about your self-confidence. Go, I am with you. Go, I am with you. And so then, we cannot carry the Great Commission, commission without him. Number three, Jesus affirmed that his people and his presence are the only necessities of the church. His people and his presence are the only necessities of the church. We come to the table together and he takes a seat with us. That's it. What table? Your kitchen table, a bar, and, and some, who cares, brewery, doesn't matter. A bench at the park, a coffee shop. Your kitchen table, the kitchen island, your living room couch, right? The tent, the tents that we eat in right now, at least here in Michigan. We come to the table together. He comes and sits with us. What are you saying, Dusty? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. We got on a church tangent there for just a minute, tying this whole thing together. This is God-ordained. I believe this is for you, okay? Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary where, where faith, 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 your body is a sanctuary where the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have, whom you have from God. God gave this to you. You're not your own. You're not your own. What I need you to see here is the Apostle Paul tells us that we are a temple. That you are a temple. And in his letter to the Corinthians, what Paul is writing about, he's writing to tell Christians in that city that God's presence is not just above you and it's not just around you. It is with you. It's with you. And what he's saying is that they are the body of Christ. And they're the body of Christ on earth. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means which means our ancestors now today, which means you are a living, breathing sanctuary. That's why we're the body. Because you are the church, because you are a temple for God's spirit to live in, because God gave that to you, right? And so here's what you need to see from this scripture. When the place becomes the what, we lose the why. It becomes about church stuff, not making disciples. 
It becomes about knowing it, knowing stuff instead of being a disciple. Because the gathering of believers, the gathering of the church exists to remember Jesus. This is Acts 2.42 and 46, communion. To worship God. This is prayer and praise, Acts 2.42 and 47. To make disciples and build relationships. That is community. It's Acts 2.42 and 44. To share the gospel, to have compassion. That's Acts 2.42 and 45. And to celebrate people following Jesus, which is Acts 2.47. So that when we understand 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we see how the idea, we see that in, in when you look at this and you see that we are a temple, that God's spirit lives in because God gave it to us, right? The idea of people needing to visit a specific place to have proximity to God is ludicrous. Paul very clearly tells us in that scripture, we are the place. We are the place. There's an old song, and man, it was amazing. I don't even know where to find it anymore. I had the CD, but it broke. CD dates me a little bit. Says, and, and all it sang the whole time was, I want to be your sanctuary. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be your sanctuary. I listened to this song, Why Delivered Pizza. And one night, side note, one night, I got a $60 tip after singing that song with my windows down at the top of my lungs. And I thought, man, so good to be the sanctuary. Just a high school kid not knowing any different, right? I want to be your sanctuary. So then what you see is Paul is clearly telling us it's not that. To visit a specific place, to get closer, now that you have God's spirit in you, that is, that's ridiculous to think that. But it's beautiful, and it's, but it's, that's all it is. God doesn't care about the outward appearance of anything. He's looking at the hearts and the intention, right? So Paul very clearly tells us, we're the place. We're the place. And when he says that, what I'm saying to you is, you only need to look inward. We only need to look inward. We are the place. We're the place. That should bring peace. This, this was the heart of the church then, and it still is now. It's not where we gather, but as we gather. I'm telling you this online. But man, we've got to get to a place. Get, We've got to get to a place where it's this. It's not where we gather. It happens as we gather. When you look at Acts 2.42-47, that's what you see. It was organic. It wasn't a model. It wasn't a playbook. It wasn't a run sheet. It wasn't a rental. It wasn't any of those things. They just got together. People, God's presence. They sit at the table. He joined them. It's not small groups. It's not house church. A little fiery about that because people are in this mindset. where like, oh, you want to have small groups. Oh, you want to run this program? No, I don't. I don't. Those are good. And those are great supplements. Those are great to have. They're great. Been part of them, built them, led them, loved them. I'm not talking about that. I know the difference. 
I know the difference between a small group and house church and house groups and any of the language that's been said, right? There's 87 different terms for the same thing. It's because we're trying to create a name to make it sound cool so people be interested. And the reality is, here's the cool name, discipleship. That's the cool name because that's God's name. That's the commission. It's the cause. And so then it's not where we gather. It happens as we gather. Big point. So then our action step is to become a body of believers, believers that unites around the cause, that unites around discipleship. So our action step is to become a church redefined. That's what that means? Yeah, and sadly, because I called it redefined church, redefined was real interesting to people. And they heard the word church, been there. Church, sounds like a reformed church to me. What? now? Let me tell you something. I called GoDaddy the other day and I said, hey, I want to buy the domain churchredefined.com. I talked to the guy for an hour and a half. What's that? I go to church. Well, I used to go to church, but I, I don't anymore. And, but, but that sounds interesting. What is he? I told him all this. He said, how can I connect? He's in Arizona. Our action step is to become a church redefined. That's it. When you look at when you look at the definition of redefine, it means to define again. It's already been defined. To redefine it means to define again. Why? Why? Here it is. We're closing this service right now. We're closing this series right now. Why? Because we must get back to what the church was intended to be relationship. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Discipleship. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. In a community of faith. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is what it's about. I hope you'll join me. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.